The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Monday, October 14th. It's our Monday midday show edition of this eight, this daily CBS Sports NFL podcast. Eight shows a week. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. We are coming up. We're going to talk to Jason Lockenfora, CBS Sports NFL insider about a, a whole host of issues of things that happened on, on Sunday, whether we're buying or selling uh, certain teams. He's got a hot take about how great the Raiders are. Not even kidding. And, um, we, uh, now we're going to talk to Jared Dubin. About the Packers and Lions game. Dudes, what's up, buddy? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I should also mention, by the way, that you can check us out on Stitcher. Their new app is super easy to navigate. It's one of the best listening experiences out there. It's a podcast app for your phone, obviously. So download the Stitcher app and then look for the Pick 6 podcast in there. If you're looking for a new way to listen to podcasts, Stitcher's got you set up. Um, pretty good Monday night football game coming up, right? I mean, Lions, yeah. I mean, we, we drew, we drew I like a short straw. I like quit, I quit. You and I were so fed up with these crap games that we walked away for like two weeks. <laughs> That's definitely true. I mean, look, this is, I mean, I wrote about this in the preview that you could see on the site. The NFC North might be the best division in football right now. All four teams, it definitely is. It has to be. All right? four teams are over 500. All four teams are outscoring their opponents. That's obviously not true of any other division in the league. And, I mean, the Bears have sort of a disaster at quarterback going on right now. But other than that, everybody else looks pretty good. I'm, I am I mean, look, the even if, if, the, if the Packers win on Monday night, then the Lions will be 500. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they don't, there will be a two-way tie at 4-2 and two with the Packers and the Vikings up top and the Lions a half game back at 3-1-1 one, and, one, and the Bears coming back, um, you know, Rested after an L and probably angry defensively, uh, at three and two with, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a great division and every other division in football. And has- also, by the way, the, the Lions one loss is to the Chiefs who, mm. I mean, granted they lost to the Texans yesterday, but the Lions also for the second year in a row seem like they gave the blueprint to slow down the best offense in the league, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Matt Patricia did, uh, that's a good point. He figured out how to stop the Rams last year. And he put together, I mean, I think we saw the blueprint. We talked about the Chiefs. Uh, we talked about it a little bit with JLC and I, I talked about, we talked about it on last night's show, but like, you know, we got that blueprint a little bit last year, but you're right. I mean, they, the Lions could not so easily or not so difficultly be four and one right now. Or yeah, four and oh, I mean, four they, and oh, excuse they me. They look sorry. terrible blowing that, uh, that game against, uh, the Cardinals in, in week, week one. one. Yeah, for sure. And it was like, oh my God, the Lions are a disaster, but. The defense has just played really, really well since then, and I like a lot of what they're – I mean, I would say some of what they're doing offensively. The last two weeks have been much better than the first two weeks, I think. I, I would agree completely. All right, well, what um, what are you seeing when, when the Packers have the ball? Um, can the Lions effectively slow down Green Bay? Aaron Rodgers at home um, in the division – has traditionally been a, a pretty good, pretty safe bet. I mean, he he, he likes to beat up on division teams – can the, have the Lions done enough 
that they can slow them down. Will we, you know, can they, are they, are they good enough against the run that they can make this team one dimensional? How, what do, what do you expect to see from Green Bay on offense against this Detroit defense? I think the Lions defense is just good, man. Like the, the Trey Flowers signing has basically been exactly what they thought it would be. He's been extremely good against both the run and the pass. He's never going to be like a double digit sack guy really but he's got 14 pressures in four games he's defending really well against the run that sort of solidified the front for them and uh has enabled them to get pressure without necessarily resorting to blitzing and because they could do that they can mix and match their coverages on the back end they played a bunch of zone early in the season in their first three games and then they came out against the chiefs and basically played a whole bunch of press man coverage and were like we're just gonna make you beat us over the top with Sammy Watkins and McCole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson. And I mean, they did it sometimes, but not all the time. And they made things, you know, a lot more difficult for the Chiefs than they had any right to be. Darius Lay, I believe, was not even active for that game. And uh, Mike Ford played really well uh, in relief. Justin Coleman looks like, you know, one of the three or four best signings of the offseason, the slot corner. He's been great. Rashawn Melvin looks good again, like he like he was a few years ago. Their safeties, I know they cut ties with Glover Quinn in the offseason. Quadre Diggs and Tracy Walker are both playing really well. Um, the, the defensive front's playing well. The defensive backfield's playing well. I think the way you beat this team in the air is probably like picking on the linebackers, but that means you're you know thrown to the tight ends and the running backs. And you know Jimmy Graham has been sort of hobbled for a bunch of the season so far. I think there were two weeks where he basically just played as a blocker in what was it weeks two and three or weeks three and four or whatever it was um you know he's he's good in the red zone still obviously but he's not the same guy he was a few years ago and Aaron Jones was kind of uninvolved in the pass offense until last week mm. uh when he had seven catches against I mean the Cowboys linebackers are before this season looked like you know arguably the best linebacker duo in the league and he just destroyed them last week I mean it was a joke how how bad he made them look um I would think he can probably do the same to uh to the, this, these Detroit linebackers. Mm. But you think you think Aaron Jones will remain heavily involved in the pass game? I mean, he should, and they should keep him as kind of like the feature back. But, I mean, Jamal Williams was back in practice this week, and uh, Green Bay sort of insisted on using Trey Carson to split the work with Jones last week, even though he was, like, destroying the Cowboys. I mean, he had 26 touches for 182 yards and four touchdowns. Um, it was ridiculous and they still were like, yeah, let's give Trey Carson eight carries or whatever <laughs> it was. Like, it's, it's unbelievable how not like back to back coaches now. They're just like, yeah, Aaron Jones is very obviously the best back on the team, but we're just not going to give him the job. I mean, if you, uh, if you watch, no if you watched him run against Dallas, it like, the, like, this is the guy. Like, like, it was a joke. Yeah. Like, like he's, he's, yeah. I mean, he, <laughs> he should have had more than 107 yards too. It was just that like three of the carries came at the goal line. So they were like, you know, one or two yard carries. He could have gained like 50 yards on those plays. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't get that either, man. Um, without Devontae Adams, do they, I mean, do we think they have enough offensively? I mean, I like, we all like Marquez Valdez Scantling, but it feels like the pressure being put on him as a, um, you know, as a, as a, six round pick i mean it's you know it's like i mean he's good but he can't is like he shouldn't be like aaron Rodgers' number one option in his second year right i mean i think it's gonna have to be like those guys sort of mixing and matching with him and geronimo allison and then jake kumaro was working uh, a bit in the slot Mm -hmm. last week it seems like you're gonna see him play out there again um especially after they traded uh what's his name davis to uh 
to the Raiders a couple weeks ago. It seems like those are definitely going to be their three guys out there. That's not obviously um, that good of a of a trio. Not not ideal. At least Valdez, Scantling, and Allison have Rogers' trust, and you know he's willing to throw them ball down the field. And they did make some plays uh, against Dallas last week. They just didn't really have to throw down the field that much because Jones was killing them uh, on the run and then on, you know, the, the short passes and screen passes and things like that. I think it's, you know, you want to loosen up this line secondary a little bit more just so you can get those underneath routes going. I think they're going to have to make some plays downfield and, um, the Lions secondary is really good. It's basically going to depend on Rogers being Rogers and doing that thing where he puts the ball in like a one inch window and, um, he could do it, especially at home. It's just, uh, it's difficult. Hmm. Um, do you buy or sell Matt LaFleur right now? Like, where are you at on him? Um, I think I'm a, I'm not, I'm neither a buy nor a sell. I guess I'm a hold. Um, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't think that they've been in their best rhythm yet. Obviously, some of that is the injuries, uh, both to Devontae Adams and then, uh, you know, Jamal Williams, who they like to mix in in the running game. And, uh, I, their offensive line has been a little bit banged up up front, but the guys have been playing through it. Um, I think that him and Rogers are not a hundred percent on the same page yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unlike a lot of people that scream on TV, I don't see that as the biggest deal in the world. Like it takes time for a quarterback and a play caller to get firmly in lockstep. Like not everybody comes out and is, you know, fully in sync right away. And I think it's really encouraging that they've been able to get out to this four and one start despite not being fully in lockstep yet. Sure. So I think that. You know, if they get back to, you know, more of the things that mix what LaFleur likes to do in terms of his play calling with what Rodgers does well, like play action boot concepts and things like that, I think they'll be able to get in a little bit more of a rhythm. But obviously a lot of it to me depends on like when or if or when is Devontae Adams going to be back because it's obviously much more difficult to do like anything without him. And they still have after this four more games before they take a bye. So you know, it's it's not like they can just say, oh, well, he's got two weeks to heal and he's only going to miss one game. It's uh, it's quite some time before they have a rest. Dude, and it, it, if you listen to him talk um, earlier or, like, I guess late last week, it sounds like he's not close to being back. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think you saw it when he um, took that ball on the sideline, what was it, two weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. And, like, immediately he was, like, grabbing his foot. It, it was like he was making sure his toe was still there. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, it, like, it looked pretty bad. When the Lions have the ball, Matthew Stafford is playing at a blank level. What would you say? What kind of level is Matthew Stafford playing at right now? Pretty good. Okay. MVP? No. Okay. <laughs> He's playing really well, though, right? He's playing good, yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the most encouraging thing to me is, like, remember when Stafford was coming out of Georgia and everything you could hear everybody in draft circles talk about? Arm was, talent. His arm talent, his arm strength, this guy can throw the ball 60 yards F down the it, field. Chuck it deep. Yeah. He's got, you know, like the best arm strength of any quarterback I've seen since whoever. Uh, that really has not been the kind of offense that they've run for. I, w- I want to read you something from Pro Football Focus. The first decade of Matthew Stafford's career, the percentage of his, his passes that were thrown deep down the field, the rank among qualified quarterbacks in the league, mm-hmm. 2009. 26th, 2010, 31st, 2011, 22nd, 2012, 17th, 
2017, 13th. That was his career high before this season. And 2018, 30th. Do you want to guess where he is this season in terms of the percentage of his passes that have gone 20 or more yards downfield? Do you mean to correctly guess or like kind of correctly guess? Second? Kind of correctly. Yes. <laughs> Second. Only Ryan Fitzpatrick has thrown down the wow. field more often. What the what? 22%. 22% of Stafford's passes have traveled at least 20 yards downfield. That's almost double his previous career high, which was 12.4% two well, years ago. In In the Lions' defense – he had to work with this like slow moving possession guy named Calvin Johnson. You know, who like, you know, you can't throw deep down the field when you have Calvin Johnson on your team. Why would you not be throwing down the field more often with Calvin Johnson? <laughs> and even since Calvin's retired, I mean, their two best receivers since then have been Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. Both of those guys are deep downfield yes. guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. You got baby, finally... you had Megatron and Babytron. Why aren't you throwing <laughs> down the field? They're finally doing it. And I mean, it's like, Kenny Galladay is off to an unbelievable start. I mean, he somehow was the only receiver in the league not to destroy the Eagles secondary this year. Yeah, but yeah. Marvin Jones basically made up for it in that game. But in Galladay's other three games, he's got four catches for 42 yards in the touchdown, eight catches for 117 yards in the touchdown, five catches for 67 yards and two touchdowns. Wow. He looks great. Marvin Jones went off, obviously, um, against the Eagles. And, um, you know, I think if they had – uh, TJ Hawkinson against um, against the Chiefs. They might have been throwing mm. downfield even more. I mean, even Marvin Jones in the non-Eagles games has been pretty good. You know, four for 56, five for 43, three for 77. Um, obviously, six for 101 and a touchdown against Philly, but he's been pretty good otherwise. They've got the guys to do it. They've got now the willingness to do it, and it, it really just opens things up for them. Like every, you know, Everybody in the NFL loves to talk about establishing the run and how that opens things up for the pass. Anybody that's been paying attention over the last few years should realize that establishing the pass and especially the downfield pass is what opens things up for your offense, not establishing the run. And the Lions are doing a good job of it. Absolutely. Um, by the way, on that uh, Galladay thing with Philly, he was only, he only played 80% of the snaps because they were basically up big after Philly gifted him a bunch of like great possessions. They scored and they just decided to like load up and – Type formations and just run the ball and melt the clock. So I mean, it's not even. It was more of a game script thing for the reason why well, he, he didn't blow up. He I mean, did get uh, eight targets in that game. Still, he just didn't do anything with them. Yeah, it wasn't. And Stafford missed him on a few. But I mean, what I'm saying is like the way that the game went sort of dictated that he wasn't going to have a huge game. Right. Otherwise, he he might have he might have done that. So, um, can they throw against Green Bay's defense though? Because Green Bay's passing defense is very good. Yeah, I mean, well, Green Bay's uh, secondary has been very good basically until last week when Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup kind of torched them. Some of that was because the Cowboys were down 28-3 and just kept throwing all game. But, I mean, Jair Alexander was essentially burned for two touchdowns by Amari Cooper on the first two possessions of the game. But Cooper dropped the first one right into Alexander's hands, and then he literally fell down on the second one and it turned into just like a 40 yard pass instead of a 75 yard touchdown. And then he was actually burned for another touchdown later in the game by Cooper. I mean, he had easily his worst game of the season, J.R. Alexander. And then, um, and, and Gallup did a pretty good job of going at Kevin King too. I think that Galladay and Jones are not quite as polished in their route running as Cooper and Gallup are. But they're both, you know, big physical guys, and um, that's the kind of thing you can find success with if you get those guys downfield, maybe on a double move, something like that. A lot of it is going to depend on, you know, can the offensive line give Stafford enough time 
to find those guys because the Green Bay pass rush, I mean, especially Zadarius Smith, has just been unbelievable. They're they're pressuring quarterbacks like crazy. Mm. Do you? How would you attack this defense if you're the Lions? What would you? Would you try to you know, be yourself and just like right, let's chuck it deep, let's go? Or would you? Are you trying to run carry on Johnson against a, a defensive front that has not, you know, against a rush defense that has not been great this year? Actually, been very bad at times, especially uh, against the Eagles. And because I could, I feel like Matt Patricia might go heavy two tight ends, pound carry on, and let's see what we can do in the ground game, open up play action, and 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 I, I don't know, it just feels like that's what they might try to do on the road this on, this evening. Yeah, I would say that there's a very high likelihood of that happening, especially, uh, you know, Daryl Bevel being the offensive coordinator. He's a big, um, you know, established the run type of guy. And I think that that is a pretty good idea against Green Bay, just in terms of actually getting your running game going. I don't think that I would be doing it a bunch on, you know, first down and early in the game, though. I would be trying to, you know, go into those heavy personnel formations, bait them into thinking you're going to run and go play action on first down, take your shots down the field. And if you could get into, you know, second down and short, third down and short, you should be able to get easy first downs. I mean, especially if you run like running to the left against Green Bay this year, yeah. it's been like a joke. You get six or seven yards every single time. And what's um, going on over there? Why are they? Why is it? Is it just the linebackers or what's the? I mean, some of it is, and Pete has talked about this when you, him, and RJ have done this Friday podcasts. They're basically playing dime defense as their base defense. They've got one linebacker on the field almost all the time. Um, I think it's a good idea, honestly. Bait teams into running the ball all the time. Running is so much less efficient than passing. If if teams want to run the ball five, six yards of carry all the way down the field and think they could try to do that, like, feel free. It's not going to work more than, more times than not. Mm, All right. Uh, well, let's dive into some of the, uh, some of the props. What, um, let's see. I'm seeing, uh, da, da, da. well, first of all, give me your prediction and we'll do the, well, actually, no, I guess we'll do, we'll do, we'll do props. Let's see. Uh, if you had to guess, carry on Johnson rushing yards over under 70. Uh, I'll go over. I think you can run on Green Bay and I think that they are going to go with a run heavy game plan. Um, all right. Aaron Johnson over under rushing yards 71. Uh, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Did I say Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, yeah. Aaron uh, Rodgers. Aaron, take Aaron the Johnson. under on Aaron. <laughs> take, did I say Aaron Johnson? You said Aaron Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at carry on. I was like, Aaron wait a minute. Jones. Who am I thinking about here? Um, <laughs> was that, I was like, Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Johnson? Yeah. Aaron Jones over under 71 rushing yards. 71? It's like a weird number. Why not just 70? 70 and a half is what it is. But I was oh, okay. Um, I think that I'll go over. Um, the run defenses that they've played that have not, that are not like among the very best in the league. Like they played the Bears in week one. He didn't really run on them. The Eagles have been the single best run defense in the league. He didn't run on them. Uh, the, the Broncos surprisingly have been better against the run than the pass in terms of their defensive front and he didn't really run on them, but he, Ran like wild on the Cowboys, and he even ran really well uh, on the Vikings. So I'm going to say against the the average-ish Lions run defense, he can do pretty well again. Uh, over under Kenny Galladay receiving yards, 69.5. That is the actual number. Um, I, A lot of this, I think, is going to depend on whether they use Jair Alexander to shadow him yeah. or if they decide to just play sides. Um, Kevin King has, has been good also, but I think he's a little bit more beatable, especially by – by a guy like Galladay just because of the way he tests guys down the field. 
I'm going to say that they're not going to shadow because Jones can test you kind of the same ways. So I'll say over for Galladay. Okay. Uh, Over under passing yards for Aaron Rodgers, 265 and a half. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go over. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's over in, uh, or no, actually, you know what? He's only over in one of the five games they've played so far, and that was when he threw 53 times against Philly. I'm yeah. actually going under. Okay. All right. Uh, Matthew Stafford, 255 and a half. Uh, go over. I feel like there's going to be a bunch of points in this game. Really? You think it's okay? All right. Well, uh, let's, let's get to it. Not the, like um... a gigantic, you know, 35 33 game but i think there's going to be a decent amount of scoring even with teams that have been good defenses so far okay what what makes you believe that just big plays or like yeah big plays i think that the way both teams are set up you can kind of do the kind of things that you want to do against them okay i think you could take shots down the field against green bay you don't necessarily want to be throwing like slants and things like that where uh where alexander can just you know use his body and be inside of the guy you got to try to test them downfield a little bit, and I think you can run on Green Bay, and Detroit is definitely going to want to run and um, take take the shots down the field. And I think that um, I think that Rodgers just kind of makes things happen at home. And uh, if you can get Jones or Jimmy Graham or even Allison in the slot matched up against the linebackers or the safeties, I think you could do pretty well there too. Um, I have Green Bay twenty four, Lions twenty three. You really don't look at the over unders when you do that. No, it's what do you? What, what, it's uh, you have forty-seven points. You have the Lions, yeah. you have the Packers winning by one, forty-seven points. The uh, spread is Green Bay minus three, over under forty-six. So very nice, Fred. You, oh. you put it right within numbers. But so you think the Lions cover? Keep it close enough. I mean, three points is. I mean, like you know, we're talking, like you know, I mean, like, do you think there's a chance the Lions come out here and just dominate and just win outright? Because I, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know that I see anybody really dominating right. the Packers. I think the defense is too good to get blown off the field. And um, I think even if you do score a bunch against them, that just means that the Packers are going to have to put the game in Rodgers' hands uh, mm-hmm. like they did against Philly. And he just threw for a whole bunch of yards and, you know, kind of almost brought them back. Um, or, sorry, did bring them back. No, did not bring them no, back. No, they were up, almost they were up early. Back. Yeah, almost brought them back. Yeah, they, the red zone yeah. stuff was a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't really see them getting blown out. Okay. Um, you know, I think the over/under is probably higher than most people might think it would be. You know what I mean? Like, like it's forty-six. Like, because you could you could easily say, "Oh, these two good defenses. This over/under is going to be like forty-two and a half." But I mean, the fact. Yeah, is- I mean, especially like in Green Bay, and it might be like kind of cold. Um, I feel like there's a bunch of people are going to be like, "Oh, it's going to be a classic NFC North battle. Nobody's going to score." I don't know. I I kind of think that these offenses can get a little bit going. Okay. Um, all right. Granted, so, I think I've been wrong about the last like four games that we've talked about. I think you've been, I think you've been pretty spot on. You've been pretty accurate. Are your picks uh, I will say that if I had been on the podcast last Thursday with, uh, that Tyler did when you guys were talking about Giants, Patriots, I would have said a lot of the same things and they all would have come true. Was I on, did I even do that podcast? Yeah, I did. Cause Tyler, yeah, Tyler, yeah, I did it with Tyler. I've, it's been a long week. I did. I can't take these days off. I gotta stick to my podcasting, man. Um, <laughs> 1.6 times a week podcast. Yeah, yeah. This podcast lasts once a week. All right. Let's get out of here. We'll take a, the, we'll take a break. And when we come back, uh, Jason Lock and Thanks, dudes. Thanks, man. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, 
chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back. Joining me as he does. See, now we're back to our regularly scheduled program. Jason Lacafora, CBS Sports NFL Insider. JLC, what's up, buddy? Doing well. How was Loafers Across America? I I missed you for two weeks. I I thought I was going to be able to see the date in Raleigh, but I just couldn't get down there. But yeah, we um, we're playing some good acoustic stuff. We've added, uh, you know, the fourth member to the band. Um, my dog comes and plays like on the tambourine. It's it's going very well. It's going very. It's going I heard. Well. No, I saw it on message board, so it may not be true. But when you come out for the encore. You have two buttons unbuttoned lower than normal on your shirt, so we get maximum chest hair. Can, can you confirm or deny that? I can't confirm. That's a, I actually think a Lovers Across America album, the album cover would be pretty sweet if you ask me. By the way, just so you know, Pete Prisco went three and ten against the spread yesterday in his picks. Well, what did I do? I, I bet you I wasn't that much better. Although I am two and one of my best bets, with still a chance to go three and one. That uh, currently eleven five and one on the year. If you're mm. playing at home, scoring at home, or maybe cashing in at home. Mm. Or no, you you put those on. Those are that's written. That's a written story, right? It's not like documentation. <laughs> nice. I went four one and one on my best bets yesterday. They're now that's uh, pretty damn good. Yeah, I think I'm back above like sixty percent at this point. Uh, you went you went seven and six all total. I went nine and four. Um, Pete is yeah. You're two games up on Pete. So, but he's uh he's struggling and it's funny and like he's 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 his head is in such a bad space that yesterday within the span of an hour he tweeted my picks are terrible I know have at them and then also tweeted Russell Wilson is currently the Russell MVP, is the MVP. <laughs> yeah he's he it's like the the and his boy Matt Ryan's about to uh, see the whole thing blown up there. Um, not that Matt Ryan played poorly yesterday, but certainly uh, he's played poorly in the first half of many, many games against fairly middling opponents that have had something to do with that horrible start there. Yeah, Pete, you know, it's pretty. He's come around on Russ, though. It only took six years longer than it should have. Oh okay. my god! I mean, we did, and we ruined somebody's birthday party in in uh, at the bottom of St. Elmo's in like in that. But uh, we're having oh, we, had yeah. a, we had a screaming. You know match. what you should go back and do? You know how we had to do those those 100 best players list in the league mm-hmm. before the season started. I believe I had Russell Wilson number two behind only Aaron Donald. I believe Pete Prisco had him around 55. Mm. You might want to look at that. You I, have a little you're fun right. with Pete. Right. Not I, that I would ever encourage anyone to have fun with Pete, but. We definitely, he definitely had him ranked like purposely one below Matt Ryan. Like just really, despite, I think he had Matt Ryan way higher than that, bro. Uh, maybe not. Maybe, yeah, maybe so. I think he had Matt Ryan in the top twenty-five. So Matt Ryan went maybe 30, in the top twenty. Matt Ryan went thirty of thirty-six for three hundred fifty-six yards. Yeah, he was on. He was on. He was on fire. Arizona's pass defense is is ridiculously bad. He was on fire. No, I mean like, but this line 
is it's, it's it's almost impossible to do it in a loss. To he lose, was, he was yeah. thirty and thirty six with three hundred fifty six yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and his yeah. team lost. It's a, it's crazy. Well, the problem was Kyler Murray was was if you factor in what he did with his feet was was almost equally as good. And Atlanta's defense is as bad, if not worse, than Arizona's. And then that's how you get a result like that. So the Falcons are one and five now. Uh, how does Dan Quinn make it to his buy? Does he make it out of his buy? Mm. What where where are we at? And bear in uh, mind, I bear, wouldn't be bear, shocked if Arthur Blank did something early this week. To be honest with you. Mm. Um, he doesn't want to go this route. He really likes Dan Quinn as a person and believes in him as a coach and believed strongly and, and showed more patience than many who know him well thought he would in terms of, of his willingness to kind of stick to this vision that Dan Quinn and, and Thomas Dimitrov laid out for him and, and doing so with his checkbook to the tune of, you know, $90 million in the first two years of the Matt Ryan contract into giving Julio Jones basically 60-plus million fully guaranteed in his 30s, you know, having four former head coaches on the coaching staff, um, you know, the, the one of the, you know, getting one of the best stadiums in the league built, um, and he's got nothing really to show for it. I mean, they're like three games below 500, I think, since going to the Super Bowl. Mm. Um, the defense is an abject failure. It was a failure last year. They blamed injuries. A lot of people who I talked to, advanced scout them, and people who watched them on film were not convinced that it was injuries. They didn't think they were a very good team on that side of the ball that uh, had a lot of tendencies that teams could exploit and they could be um, out physical. And that remains the case. People look at them, whatever you want to say, you can call it a narrative, you can call it a cliche. People look at them as a finesse team that if you punch them in the face early, you'll get the best of them. And a lot of teams have done that, teams that people would look at and say don't have the greatest talent in the world, and it's worked. Um, their games against the AFC South were, were tragically bad. <laughs> I mean, they just they were, got bullied by, by teams for three, four, you know, three quarters of the game. Um, and so, I mean, Arthur Blank sees all this, and he knows that change in 2020 is inevitable. And now that Jay Gruden's been fired and Dan Snyder wants to make a splash, and, and let's face it, Arthur Blank – is not in a, that different of a situation than Snyder. You know, there's probably more apathy than hatred among Falcons fans than Redskins fans, but they don't show up. That stadium gets taken over by opposing um, fans. Uh, Arthur Blank gets better support for his soccer team than his football team. Uh, this is the second straight year. They're one and four or one and five. The season's over in the middle of October, uh, especially in that division where you have two real contenders. And go look at their schedule coming up. I mean, this Rams game will be tough for them. And then I think they've got the Seahawks, and then they get the Saints twice in a six-week period and the Panthers twice in a six-week period. So Dan Quinn's not making it through that. And Dan Quinn may not start that conflict. By the time we get to Monday Night Football, Raheem Morris might be the interim head coach of that team. Bob Sutton would take over as a defensive coordinator. Um you know, and, and Arthur Blank would see if, if some different, uh, uh, you know, some different uh, hands on deck – might alter their outcome because the offense, even when it starts slowly, it, it, it generally will catch up in the second half and, and try to make it a game. They they can't get off the field as a defense. I don't see what they do well. I mean, all three levels of that defense to me are a failure. If I'm missing something, please tell me. But I don't, you know, they've got some good individual talent. Collectively, they're a failure at all three levels. No, no question about it. I mean, look, they um, – <laughs> they – they, I thought they made a mistake this off season when they 
with with a great great degree of hubris, in my opinion, uh, traded back into the first round in what was a defensive heavy defensive like a draft full of. Welcome back in, Copper. A draft full of defensive <laughs> uh, defensive players that you could get from like thirty to seventy, and instead move back up and got another off- a rookie offensive lineman, as if two offensive yeah. linemen was going to solve all their problems, and they were just magically not going to get hurt on defense this year. It's football, guys. People get hurt. Yeah. Like, I mean, just because Keanu Neal got hurt the one year doesn't mean he's not going to get hurt in the second year. And I mean, they've now given up twenty eight to the Vikings. They should have lost to the Eagles. They should be Owen. They should be Owen six. Yeah. Um, Aguilar catches that ball. Yeah. Dan Quinn's probably already out of a job. Yep. They, um, they, the last time they beat an AFC opponent was, uh, December 20th, 2015. Like how, like how the hell is that possible? I, and, yeah, that's bizarre. And I, I think too, like one of the things you always hear and see with Arthur Blank is that, it's one thing to be embarrassed. Like, I mean, he just went and lost the, the Cardinals on the road in, in, in a game that they looked like they were getting blown out in. It's another thing. Yeah, to get... but some people will, some people will see the ending of that game and be like, Oh, well, if Matt Bryant just did his job, but it's like, it took, it took some ridiculous stuff to even get back in that game. Yeah. If Arizona had any experience at all, they probably put them away. You know what I mean? Up, like, yeah, they're over at the start of the fourth quarter. Yeah, they're, they were 27-10, and we didn't think they were coming back because they're, they're, they're off it, like, the, the, the Falcons' offense looked sluggish early on. And the Cardinals were winging it all over the place. Um, but I, I think if they get embarrassed at home against the Rams and against the Seahawks in back-to-back games, and he has to sit, he has to sit in that game and watch it, then, yeah, I mean, if it hadn't been done already, it's it's almost certainly it's inevitable at yeah. this point. Yeah. You know that I just again, I don't I don't know that that team. This was should have been the this should have been the period in their schedule where they were getting fat. And they have six division games after the bye. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's and they get it's the Rams in Seattle, and then that gauntlet. And if you're Arthur Blank and you're sitting there too, and you're saying. Like, I've given you guys all the resources in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I've stuck to this longer than people thought I would. Um, I mean, remember, it wasn't that long ago that they put out a press release that basically implied that Scott Pioli and not Thomas Dimitrov was the general manager of the team, mm. you know, and then kind of, like, walked it back over an awkward 24 hours. Like, he's been contemplating big changes there for a long time. Um, and you're looking at the division, and you're saying – Okay, we these guys complain about injuries. Um, Carolina played two games with the <laughs> with mm-hmm. the former MVP quarterback who wasn't healthy, sat him down, and went four and zero. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, the guys in New Orleans lost their first ballot future Hall of Fame quarterback. You know what I mean? Like eight quarters into the league or whatever. I mean, into the season. And like they're four and zero without you know what I mean? I don't want to hear about Keanu Neal. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like come on, man, yeah. what the hell's yeah. going on here? Like. You know what I mean? Like, all these other teams are winning games with, like, backups galore, and we can't beat the freaking Titans or whatever. You know? It's like, come on. Yeah, and it's it's like, so you did say that you're a defensive coach, right, Dan? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I like Dan Quinn. I, I think he's a, a good I, – I like you said, I think he's a good person. Like, I mean, we've, you know, we've interviewed him before. Absolutely. Um, but he – it almost feels like the Super Bowl was just sort of – like it, it, it did, I will say this, like everybody talks about New England assistants and like when they go out, you know, when they get head coaching jobs, like maybe. Kyle Shanahan's undefeated. That doesn't help Maybe him. it was, maybe it was Belichick, you know what I mean? And not them. 
Like, go look at the Seattle defense. And I know there's, there was a lot of hoopla about Chris Richard. I'm, I'm not on that hype train. I mm. still think, hmm. Uh, and go look at Gus Bradley. Like, you're going to tell me the Chargers don't have any talent on defense? And they are an abject failure. And then look at Dan Quinn and all, the, all they've invested in that defense. And that defense is an abject failure. I'm just going to say, beware of the Pete Carroll disciples because I think Pete's really kind of running that thing. Yeah, yeah. Although Robert Sala has done a pretty good job. Uh, who else would we yeah. qualify as like an like a assistant from that? I'm just trying to run through it. I mean, yeah, like Chris Richard, we got to find out about. But Mark Cannon, uh, yeah, I guess there's our, yeah, I guess there are a bunch. Man. Tom Cable. Yeah. Hadn't been good outside of Seattle. Well, I'm thinking more of the defensive side. You know what I mean? Since that's Pete Carroll's, you know yeah, what I mean? That's sure, his sure. bread and butter. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, I just think be, beware. Um, you yeah. know, those guys have winning personalities, and I, I like a lot of them personally. But, I mean, the Chargers have to be one of the biggest disappointments. Like, how, how did that happen last night? Like, oh, my God. They're a on, joke. Guys. They're a clown. Like, co- they're a clown. I know co- you lost Derwin James, but, I mean, you've got bookend pass rushers. You know what I mean? You've got yeah. some athletic guys in your secondary, and you're playing against Duck Hodges. Like, they're not going to let him throw the ball 20 yards down the field, dude. Like, come on. you got to know what's coming at you. Like, they're going to screen you to death, right? Like, he threw, he threw one pass, like, I mean, it was probably more than that, but it felt like one pass down the field, and it was, uh, it was intercepted. And they got, they were, that game was over at halftime. I mean, that, yeah, oh, it was definitely over. Like yeah. I say, be, beware, be, beware of the Pete Carroll defensive assistant. Uh, he threw one, two, three, four passes more than 10 yards down the field. Three were incomplete, and one was intercepted. So, yeah. Not exactly, uh, not exactly stretching the field was Duck Hodges. And the Chargers, the Char- no. And the Chargers looked, I mean, they looked, they looked awful. I mean, not, not to get, yeah. I mean, but yeah, so Dan Quinn might get canned. Um, I mean, what, what, what are they going to do in, what are they going to do with the Chargers? I mean, like, what is it? I mean, this team stinks. Like, they're, they're, I don't even know it's Anthony Lynn. I mean, they just stink. Yeah. Something's, something's off there. Um, for sure. The one thing I will say is, like, the Kansas City Chiefs are not running away and hiding this year. This is not last year's team. Mm. There's, there, there's not, they're not getting 50 touchdown passes out of the quarterback. You're just not. The so, defense is, is found a way to get much worse, which didn't seem possible, <laughs> but they're all about it. So, I mean, like Denver and the Chargers uh, and, and Oakland? They all got to be looking at the standings saying, now wait, go look at the Chiefs now. The last four weeks, I don't have, I should have the numbers in front of me. I don't. I wrote about them in my column today. I went back and looked. You can go back to the Baltimore game where they were up like 28 to three or something like that. Remember that was the week John Harbaugh decided like every fourth down and every two point conversion is attainable. So they were chasing points the whole game. Mm -hmm. Baltimore still came back and made it, I think, a one possession game in the fourth quarter. Um, Baltimore held the ball, I think, 33 minutes in that game and ran for like 180. So, so he, I, I brought your column up and we talked right? about. And then, the, then they played Detroit, who yep. beat the snot out of Mahomes. The ankle started flaring up again. Detroit should have won that game. Remember, it took like a 101 yard fumble, you know, controversial fumble recovery for the Chiefs to win that game. They bottled up Mahomes. The red zone offense for the Chiefs was, was the worst I've ever seen it under Mahomes and Andy Reid. The Chiefs escaped. Detroit beat them up. What was the time of possession? And remember, Detroit had not run the ball on anybody to that point. What was the time of possession? Detroit had it for, 30, for 30, 33 for thirty-three fifty-five for 180 and 186 yards. 
Then the Colts watched that, and then they, they mm-hmm. kicked them in the face from the start to the finish, said, we're just going to keep it simple, stupid, right? We're going to play rugby and run all over these guys and beat them up at both, at both ends of the line of scrimmage because the offensive line's in tatters, too. Uh, and, yeah, how did that work out? Well, what was time of possession and uh, rushing yards for the Colts? That was – sorry to go ahead and cut off the autoplay video. 37-15 and 180 rushing yards. Suboptimal. And then how did it go yesterday? Even worse. 39-48 and 192 yards. We actually, on the podcast last night, we talked about this a little bit. We looked it up. Andy Reid, since he got to KC, is 2-12 and 12 straight up whenever he has the ball for 25 minutes or less in terms of time of possession. And that should be surprising. Like That's probably true for most people. But like, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's probably going to be the case for pretty much any, I mean, you, you know, for anybody. Right. But they're, the way they're built, let's face it, it's we, we, we come out, we throw to set up the run, we kill you with play action and big and, and, and explosion plays. Now you have to throw the ball more than you'd like, and we can get after the quarterback. Well, except they don't have D Ford and Justin Houston anymore, and – you know, when you, you show me Frank Clark's highlight reel, I'm open to watching it. Show it to me. Um, you know, and then the big man in the middle's injured, and the secondary's worse than it was last year. Good luck, man. You know? But this you is- can't win in this league. I don't care if you have Patrick Mahomes combined, you know, with Steve Young and Joe Montana. You could have a cyborg quarterback, right? That's, that is, is perfect. You give up like seven yards of carry, you're not winning. You know, you're not going more than 500 in this league. We saw this, so, we, Jason, we saw this happen at the end of last year. So if you want to take, like, extrapolate it across two seasons, I mean, against, they beat the Raiders twice after their week 12 bye. But in between those two Raiders games, they went one and two against the Ravens, Chargers, and Seahawks. And in those games. And the Ravens game, remember, was Eric Lamar, Weddle, yeah. you know, pooping himself and letting that ball get over his head to Tyreek Hill. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, what it yeah, took yeah, to yeah. that game to overtime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Ravens should have won that Baltimore game. Baltimore beat the snot out of them. So I did mean, the, go look at that box score. I mean, Baltimore beat the snot out of them. So did the Seahawks and so did the Chargers. And, like, that was the formula. And then they played the Colts and, and just, you know, annihilate the Colts in the playoffs. But then the Patriots held them to less than 20 minutes of time of possession in the playoffs and, and took care of business against them. Um they actually bu- and, and we haven't mentioned that, oh, yeah, like that, that, that ankle is a thing every week. Like they yeah. clearly can get him ready to play with treatment and all that, and he's so young and spry. But then it gets aggravated, and they can say whatever they want. I know what I'm watching. I know what other people are watching. There are stretches of these games where he's not thro- following through like he normally would, where the front foot is ginger. Um and where he's a little bit more immobile in the pocket and the coordinators see it and the guys in the box see it. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we can bring the house a little bit more here because he can't adjust and he's not as accurate. And that's the, that, you add that up with a, with, with a putrid defense and you've got problems. And then now they've got Denver on a short week at mile high. Mm-hmm. Denver, Denver uh, since we last talked, Will, they found out how to get to the quarterback again. Like they're they're buying what Vic Fangio is cooking, and that's going to be a tough spot. And then I believe they've got the Packers and the Vikings, who can play a little defense too. I I, I would say I'm this. just saying that's why the Chargers shouldn't freak out. Now they better start winning games and, and establish an identity, um, and get mentally focused and stop feeling sorry for themselves or whatever's going on there. But I don't think the Chiefs are running away and hiding. I would say this for. Not like I said this last week after the Sunday night game, and I wasn't trying to say people were like accusing me of saying the Chiefs are bad. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that when you combine their defense, which is terrible, 
with a banged up Patrick Mahomes and a bad offensive line because that's been decimated by injury, you're getting a formula that is not like this game. By the way, the Broncos should have beaten the Jaguars and should have beaten the Bears. This game should be two four and two teams going head to head for first place in the division right now. I mean, it really should be. Now, I will say this. I don't think Denver's equipped to expose the, the second, the issues in the secondary of the Chiefs. No. But, I but, mean, but Vic Fangio it will be perfectly content, you know what I mean, to, to tap the OC on the, on the shoulder and say, if, if, you know, we don't run the ball 38 times in this game, you know what I mean? I'm going to strangle you. Like, the, there's no yeah, reason yeah. not to run Philip Lindsay into the ground with screens and, and outside zone and, it seems you can get – I don't know who's setting the edge in Kansas. It seems like you can get to the outside relatively easy, and once you do, it's, uh, you know, green, green grass in front of you. The uh, – let's see. Who do we say they have? They have the, the – so the Broncos – ring Denver, and Bron- then they get the long break after the Thursday night game, but then I believe it's the Packers and the Vikings. Yep. Broncos rank ninth in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, rushing attempts. They are currently averaging 4.3 yards per carry, 116 yards per game. Then you have the uh, the Vikings who rank fourth in terms of rushing attempts. They're averaging 5.1 yards per attempt and 159 yards no, I mean, per game. Da- dude, Dalvin Cook could run for infinity against them. Let's yes. be real. Yes. and They might uh, not tackle him the whole freaking game. The Packers don't actually bear out very well in terms of, like, you know, rushing number. Like, they're 22nd or 23rd in rushing attempts and only average 3.7 yards this, per carry. I will ran the ball more in Tennessee than Mike Malarkey did. Yeah. So, I don't think $35 million quarterback or not, I don't think he'd be averse to playing rugby that day either. Just Dude, to, you know what I mean? This could be to an Aaron, the they're going to Aaron Jones ran all over the Cowboys. That's exactly yeah. what they're going to do. And then don't sleep on the fact that after that they've got the Titans and the Chargers. Like I mean, the Titans, the Titans might try and muddy it up and just run the ball and just see what they can do to try and squeeze out a win. I'm not saying they're going to lose. You know, uh, three of the two of the, the the Packers and the Vikings are at home. Broncos and Titans on the road. I'm not saying they're going to go 0 and 4. But I mean, I'm going to hot take you right now. I've got, I got, I got. Little Bobby Brinson in my head right now. Do it. If the Oakland Raiders still had Khalil Mack, they'd run away with that division. Oh, my God. Hot take or fact? It's a hot take, but. If you could reverse the Khalil Mack trade right now, Oakland wins that division by two games. Hot takey or just right? <laughs> that is hot takey. My God. Huh? Feel free to steal that. Are the Raiders good? I'm giving that to you. You, you can write that blog. I will I will steal it. I may, I may tell social. Appropriate it. Um. Are the Raiders? I don't think that's that. I don't think that's that crazy of an idea. I don't. I mean, I, like the Chiefs are still good. I think Denver's. I think Denver's pretty good, actually. I don't believe in Denver's offense at all. Denver's offense won't play against decent defensive teams. Flacco's been pretty good. I mean, even yesterday, like, what did they score? Thirteen points at home. Yeah, but I mean, De- like, Denver's offense is bad, and Joe Flacco is not going to be an ascending player as the weather turns and as he <laughs> more gets than likely more beat not. Up. More than likely not. And I don't buy Denver's offensive line at all. Like. I thought Denver was a 500 team coming into the year because I thought the defense would be really, really good, but the offense would be fairly putrid. Um, They're 26 and then losing scored, games yeah. at Mile High in September never happens, and they managed to to do that a couple times. But yeah, yeah I mean, look, eight and eight. Here's another hot take, dude. I think there could be three divisions where nine and seven or eight and eight get it done. Mm. That would be incredible if we had three eight and eight teams win division titles. People would lose their minds. I mean, the A, I'm sorry, like, the AFC South, I, I mean, I, great win for Houston yesterday. I, I still think sure. that's a 9-7-ish and team. Uh, Baltimore, Cleveland, 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, will get it done. 
And if the Eagles don't get healthy soon, you know, you know we've talked about it. I, I'm I've been a Cowboys skeptic forever. Mm. Um, but the Eagles aren't who I thought they'd be. And if they can't get healthy soon, um, and if Howie manages not to pull the trigger on a blockbuster in the next two weeks, although I, I fully expect him to, um, or even if that just doesn't work, whatever. I mean, nine and seven, I, I, they'll get wins by beating up on the Giants and the Redskins. But when they have to play good teams, I don't, I don't, I can't vouch. I, I, I would not even attempt to vouch for the Cowboys, but I can't really vouch for the Eagles, who, who I thought would be one of the five or six best teams in this league right now, as presently constructed. They got issues. I, I got a hot take for you. Mm-hmm. In in four weeks, the first place team in the NFC East will be the New York I'll Giants. Save the Giants. <laughs> that's that's not happening. Here's here's their here's their next four games. Yeah. Uh, Cardinals, Lions, Cowboys, Jets. I, dude, I I don't know that. I mean, I I don't know how many of those games they win. Kyler Murray's going to give them problems, dude. I don't buy the defense at all. No, no, don't, let's not take this to the Giants because no one cares about the Giants. I am curious about you. You mentioned Howie Roseman pulling off a blockbuster. Do you think he's still trying to pursue Jalen Ramsey, or is that the Jaguars effectively shut there, that down? There are many teams trying to pursue Jalen right. Ramsey. Because it, it's and who are, well, it, it, it who are like, convinced that that Shad Khan really only has one way out of this, which is trading the guy. It seemed. Um, it seemed Patrick like Peterson is a is a guy that they went after hard last year, and, and the Eagles and others um, are are on him now. Now, whether that's Michael Bidwell's like favorite player ever, so maybe he doesn't relent with Peterson about to come back from his suspension. But but teams will try like hell the next two weeks to to get him. Okay. If you're if you're Steve Kime, aren't you sort of thinking, hey, like we're kind of winning some games here and. I mean, like, the, well, you're winning games without him. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. you're in a tough division. You're also thinking, wow, okay, we we need we still got a lot of holes on this roster. You know, uh, we need help everywhere, and thirty something guys is probably not where where it's at. Yeah. Um, I would be thinking I need more picks to rebuild that defense and to. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald's gone. You know what I mean? Like they're 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 scoring points now. Um, but I, I, I you know. They drafted the slot receiver. He doesn't get on the field. You know, like, I, I still think, you know, I I think they've – I mean, imagine – I don't know. I, I just – I think there's – I'd be looking at the future. The sure. bottom line is there's that division is a monster, right? Like, like you're, four teams from that division aren't going to the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, what are we talking about here? You know, it's it, the Cardinals, it's not it's, – this is all great and it's gravy, but the Arizona Cardinals are, are not about 2019. I mean, the Cardinals are still have like a negative 37-point differential. They're 2-3-1. and one, Yeah. But they're I, so I, much I better mean, than last like, year that it's like – it's like a – it's like – like it's and, like. And here's the problem. The, the, the games in their division are all going to be tough. I mean, even yeah. the Rams, I mean, it's going to be – I'm not vouching for the Rams right now, but that's not a pushover. The Seahawks and the 49ers are legit. Like, where is Arizona going this year? And where you know what I mean? And next year, you, you trade Patrick Peterson now, where somebody's got him for a season and a half. You're going to get, and in the heat of a you know title race, and you got emotional people trying to save their season versus a six month off season when you can sit back and be calculated and wait. I would trade him. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, and they're stretched down. Like they've got to play the Rams twice, Seahawks. Uh, you know. Th- they haven't even played the 49ers once. So no, I mean, that's like, what I'm saying. I don't feel, I feel like yeah. they've only played one division game. Yeah, they have. 
That's what I'm saying. The, the yeah. gauntlet is coming, and it, they're going to. They're not going to win a lot, and that's fine. They're not supposed to, but do the right thing and trade Patrick Peterson. Mm. It's a good call. All right. And the Bengals. Don't even get me started on the Bengals. You won't talk about living in fantasy land. They, they're just not Dude. trading anybody, right? They're, I mean, that's what they're saying. But if they actually do that, it, it would be organizational malfeasance. It would be like. I mean, people are like, what can the league do to stop these tanking teams? I'm like, nothing. Like, do you want to have teams actually get better? Like, do you want to have people accept the reality and then make corrective measures to try to stop from being that bad? Or do you want them just to, you know what I mean? Or, or like, they should be incentivizing this. Like, really, the league office should be calling Mike Brown and being like, okay, nobody's going to your games now. You might not win a game this year with all this payroll. You know, you're one of the small market teams. You have a chance to save yourself $20 million to help make the, the playoff races elsewhere look good, to engage more fan excitement both in your base and around the league by, you know, because you've got seven guys who you could easily trade. You know, and like, okay, what, you know, what is the plan? You know what I mean? So when A.J. Green walks, like you're, you're, you're going to go throw a parade for that 2021 compensatory pick? <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, what, what the hell's going on? Yeah. You're not winning. I can tell you that. And if you don't trade, you're going to be even worse next year without any hope of getting better because all the other really bad teams will have infinitely more draft capital than you. Yeah. No, you're right. Hey, back to Dallas too, because what, what did they, did they think gone away from Kellen Moore? There's some buzz about that. Like people think that Jason Garrett might have realized what was happening. The young, the young hot offensive coordinator, you know, smart mind, uh, was getting too much credit. And then I believe Tony Romo said on the broadcast, like Jason Garrett's fingerprints are all over this game. I mean, I, I don't know who, you know, there's only a couple people on that headset. And if he is, um, changing calls or, uh, you know, Oh, uh, whatever. Uh, what's the verb I'm looking for? Audibling? Um, vetoing. You know what ah, I mean? Yes, vetoing calls left and right. If he, you know, he could very easily say, hey, I want, you pick the play, but I want, you know, three runs and a pass or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, that stuff happens. Uh, I, I also would say, like, the Kellen Moore stuff, <laughs> look who they played. You know what I mean? Mm. And they're coming out new and people haven't seen you yet. And, you're playing against nobodies, and you're as healthy as you're going to be all year. Since then, they've lost two starting offensive linemen. Amari Cooper's gotten banged up. The number two receiver's been banged up. And I'm sorry, the quarterback is not transcended. If everything is great, he can look great. The moment that stops happening, and go look at him against good teams for his career. They never so, a record. Yep. No, this is just who they are. You know what I mean? Like, this is just who they are. All right, what about uh, what about the Vikings? They aired it all out, and now they're great again. I, I love it. I, I do too. I love it. You I know, think, I think they're good. You got the, I mean, Thielen calling out Cousins, and then Cousins apologizing for really no reason because it probably should have been the other way around. And then the, the week of Stephon Diggs passive aggressive, get me the hell out of here. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's what it took to get Mike Zimmer to loosen the reins, or just to get people to say. You know, bleep it. I'm just going to, you know what I mean? We're just going to let it all hang out, and we're going to play with more of an edge and stop being this sort of mealy mouth, scared of its own shadow offense. The last two weeks, man, Cousins is basically perfect. I mean, 11.3 yards per attempt the last three weeks, uh, seven touchdowns, one interception, 
640-odd passing yards. I think it might be a little less than that. Again, you can feel free to reference my column at Um, You know, I think Stephon Diggs is like 10 catches over 200 yards and three TDs the last two weeks. Uh, Thielen's like, I think, eight catches, 180-something and three TDs. And they, 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 the run game was never an issue. Um, the attempts are still – I think it's, it's weird – Last two games, it's I, I, it's almost identical. Like Cousins is like twenty two for twenty nine. He actually um, had he actually had less. Yeah, it's twenty two or twenty seven, twenty two or twenty nine. The last yeah two games. So it's I mean, almost, you know that's their equation. They don't want him throwing more than thirty ish times, which is fine as long as you're taking shots. You know, within there, and 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 they are. Um, I picked them to win that division. I think they're the best, most balanced team in that division as long as they get at least average quarterbacking. Um, they're also at home. They are a beast. If they get a home playoff game with they're, that defense yep. revved up in that crowd, that's going to be a problem for anybody. It's it's the um, so now Mike Zimmer as a short favorite at home is twelve and three just against the spread. Like he like th- that home field advantage is the best home field advantage in football. I think. Yeah, it's it's legit, and the defense is is. Back last year, I thought the defense was a little bit fugazi, but this this is the real thing. Um, yeah. Now, how will Cousins handle this? If it, you know in December, I don't know. You know, you, are the Eagles a good team or not? Does that count as a good win for Cousins? I don't know. He's going to be, you know, he's going to have games coming up here: the Lions, the Packers. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but I feel like that what happened two weeks ago was the was the best possible thing. Like everybody came out of their shell, right? It wasn't like this This sort of, you know, everything's kumbaya. No, it's not. People are pissed off, and sometimes they need to get it off their chest. Um, and I think that you, you watch Cousins the last two weeks, and it's kind of like that, you like that, Cousins. You know what I mean? More than that, you like that, Cousins. Well, look, they're at the Lions, which is a 1 o'clock game against a, a, decent, a good divisional team. I'm buying the Lions, by the way. I think the Lions' defense is legit. Okay. I think Stafford's playing great football, sure. and I like them at Lambeau tonight. Uh, ooh, I do. I actually do, too. The, um, but, that, is but one like, of my, that is my fourth and final best bet of the week. Ooh. But the, but like, the, but, but, again, they documented 11-5-1. But, but no, the, sorry, 11-6-1 if I win this one, 12-6-1, yeah. It's very good, actually. Uh, but, but like, the Vikings can put up points on the Lions. Then they get the Redskins at home on a, on a Thursday night game. That's gonna, that's a, that's the ultimate revenge game. Cousins is gonna go bananas. Yeah, that's the game you want Kirk Cousins as your fantasy quarterback. Yes, in prime time. Uh, then they, they will not stop. They, yeah, he, he will try to make Dan Snyder cry. Yeah. Yes. And then they're at the Chiefs, at the Cowboys, and the Broncos at home before they're by. I mean, like, they can beat those teams. They don't have to play the Packers and Bears till the final two weeks of the season. Now, they will have a stinker or two in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to crown these guys or, or, you know what I mean, or coronate them. But I think – which I was just – right before you called, I was starting to look at Green Bay. What do they have coming up? I just think that's a team that's going to come back down to earth. The Packers have. I know they got the Lions tonight, obviously. The Raiders at home next week. <laughs> interesting. At, at or CBS, 1 p.m. That's an interesting game. It is, Raiders off a of bye, remember, feeling good. Yeah, you're right. Raiders are six and a half point dogs in Green Bay that weekend. Um, then at Chiefs, at Chargers, and Panthers at home. After the bye, it's, they have 49ers, Giants, Redskins, Bears, Vikings, Lions. Hmm. So yeah, then that, that, that schedule after the bye looks pretty conducive to them. Yeah. We'll see how that offense holds up against some of these defenses the next few weeks. 
And we'll see if they can keep turning people over the way they are. I, I'm not sure that's sustainable. Maybe it is. Well, we'll see how they look on Monday night. Uh, all right, let's get you out of here. Devo, Devo's on the road, which means that we rambled more. Have, nobody, nobody to rein me in, keep me from babbling. It's fine. Uh, Jason Black. No, I just get talk. Uh, make sure to read his column yeah. on com. Glad we get back to talking on Monday mornings, man. It really gets my week going the right way. Well, I, I've been lost without you the last couple of weeks, <laughs> but I understand you've got you've got look, you've got your fans, you've got your public, and they need they need their Brinks and they need their loafers, and <laughs> loafers you're there to provide it. Loafers so across you. America, baby. Um, all, yeah, right, bu- <laughs> all right, buddy. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> all right, dude. Have a good one. Man.